We just started a sermon series called Who Am I? We are discovering who God says that we are so that we can live that way instead of trying to create our own identity for ourselves and kind of controlling our own identity. But we are receiving who God says that we are. Last week, we talked about how we are completely forgiven and we are free from all sin if we believe in Jesus. We don't have to be defined by our past sin because our guilt is gone in Christ. We also don't have to be defined by what we have achieved. It's really easy to define yourself by your past achievements, and I used to do this. I grew up in a Christian home, and I was kind of a rule follower. And I defined myself by the fact that I was a good kid. I didn't go drinking, I didn't swear, I didn't sleep around, I didn't do drugs. And those are all really good things. But I began to define myself by that and take pride that I didn't do those things. I began to look down on others. I began to be somewhat self-righteous in my relationship with God. I was always striving to be perfect. And this attitude kind of extended into my college years. And I found that my prayers often revolved around, God, help me to do this. God, make me stop doing this. Not because I wanted to um, live a more godly life, but because I was prideful. I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to be better than others. And I didn't want to need help from anybody. Not even God, really, is what my heart was doing. And at first glance, you know, this doesn't sound so bad, okay? At least I wasn't spending my life doing um, these things that I shouldn't have been doing. But the problem with defining ourselves by what we've achieved is that we're always switching between either pride or shame, depending on how well we have achieved our goals. Our sense of value is based on our own behavior and not on what Christ has done for us. Uh, Maybe some of you are a bit like I was this morning. You feel like, I've got to be perfect uh, to feel significant or loved or accepted. Uh, You've become a perfectionist who can never be at peace because you feel like you need to be perfect to get God's blessing on your life or for him to accept you. You think maybe, oh, if I don't read my Bible enough, God doesn't love me as much. If I say that one bad word, maybe I'm not really going to heaven. Sometimes our perfectionism affects how we treat others as well, right? We have little grace for them because we don't have grace for ourselves. And we don't really believe deep down that he loves us no matter what. So we criticize them and we critique them because we're always critiquing ourselves. Larry Bridges calls this mindset the performance treadmill. You're always hustling. You're always running, but it never stops. You're trying to do enough good works to get God to bless you, but you never reach your destination and rest. You just keep going. You keep performing. You keep achieving, but eventually you fall apart because it's exhausting, because we aren't perfect. No one can live a perfect life in their own strength. Jesus is the only person who has ever done that. At some point, you've got to step off of the performance treadmill. And I think the way that we do that is through relating to our God as a loving father. Just like a loving father, God loves his children no matter how much or how little they achieve. Nothing you can achieve can make God love you any more or any less. He has shown his love for you on the cross. And even at your weakest point, you were still so valuable to him that he chose to die for you. 
Even when you didn't deserve it by human standards, he felt that you were worth it. And when you finally confessed your sins and received his forgiveness, he put the Holy Spirit in you. And let me tell you right now, the Holy Spirit is not the one who is telling you to stay on that performance treadmill. The Holy Spirit will not lead you to relate to God as a taskmaster, but as a loving father. And I want to show you this in scripture this morning. In Romans 8, Paul is talking with the believers in Rome about how the Spirit transforms followers of Jesus. In verses 14 through 16, he he talks about seeing God as a loving father. All who are led by God's Spirit are God's sons and daughters. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to lead you back again into fear, but you received a spirit that shows you are adopted as his children. With this spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The same spirit agrees with our spirit that we are God's children. And this passage is very similar to something Paul wrote years earlier in the letter to the Galatians. Uh, Galatians 4, verses 5 through 7. If you're taking notes, you can write that down and look it up later. So the Holy Spirit won't lead us to see God as a harsh master, as a slave master relating to him out of fear. And it's not fear of God meaning like reverence or healthy respect, but fear of punishment. The Holy Spirit in us leads us to relate to God as his sons and daughters because we have been forgiven. This kind of relationship is based on unconditional love. We call him our father, just like Jesus did. And that word Abba in that verse in Romans, it's an intimate yet respectful title for a father. It's a little bit like how my kids call me daddy. So the more we see God as our father, the more we are in agreement with the spirit. And the more we see God as our taskmaster, the less we're allowing the spirit to lead us. Now, why does this happen? Why do we see God as a taskmaster in the first place? You know, there's probably uh, a few reasons. Uh, One of them, I think, is that all of humanity has this tendency towards believing good deeds are rewarded and bad deeds are punished, no matter what faith people have. The concept of grace that's offered in Jesus Christ kind of goes against that. Jesus was punished in our place for our bad deeds, and we are forgiven instead of punished. Uh, Another reason that someone relates to God as a taskmaster could be because that was kind of how their faith tradition talked about God. The constant talk of sin and punishment and fear without understanding grace can lead to living on the performance treadmill. Uh, Another possible reason is because maybe somebody's earthly father was more of a taskmaster type of person. They could never be good enough for him. Their heart was always nervous and tense for fear of failing him. And now they see God through that same lens. You know, it's difficult to imagine God as a good father if that's your frame of reference. And if that's you this morning, I hope that you'll see God as the father that you wish you had. Because many of our fathers were not perfect. But our heavenly father is perfect. He loves you no matter What? No matter how much or how little you achieve, no matter how many times you mess up, he still loves you. And he demonstrated this to us. It's not just words on a page. We know this because God decided to adopt us before we could do anything to earn it. This is why seeing God as our father is the antidote to the performance treadmill mindset. Before anyone in the whole world did anything good or bad, God had already made plans to bring us into his family. Check out Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Even before he made the world, God loved us, and he chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless 
holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. That last phrase in this translation is what really stands out to me. It gave him great pleasure. God enjoyed bringing you into his family. How crazy is that? Before you were born, even before the world existed, God was thrilled that you and I would be a part of his family. That's the Father's heart for you. He loves you, no matter how much or how little good you've done with your life. Even if you're not a Christian and you've been living sinfully for your whole life, the door is always open. He's always waiting for you with open arms, hoping you'll join his family. The Apostle Paul likes to use this adoption metaphor a lot to describe who we are in Christ. Jesus is and always has been the Son of God, but we have not always been children of God. We've been brought in. We have been adopted. And not only do we have a fatherly relationship with God, but we will be filled with the Spirit and we will receive eternal life as our inheritance. In Roman culture at that time, adoption meant Uh, It was defined very legally. It meant defining old legal relationships and establishing a new relationship as an heir who would receive an inheritance. The child instantly received all of the rights and benefits of being a son or daughter of that person. You know, uh, a slave may have lived in the same household as the master, but they didn't have the, the same rights as the child. And since we have been adopted by God as his sons and daughters, there are benefits to being his child. And this morning I want to talk about four benefits to being a child of God. First is you are known by God. Have you ever felt unknown? You know, maybe it was in a crowd of people you suddenly felt very alone. Or maybe it was with the person whom you used to be close to. It's not a great feeling. When we don't feel known, we don't feel loved. For example, if I planned a date with my wife and I took her to a bakery and a baseball game, she would not feel loved because I didn't know that she eats gluten-free and she thinks baseball is the most boring sport known to mankind. We don't agree. Uh, But when we don't feel known, we don't feel loved. And the amazing thing about being God's child is that he knows everything about you. My daughter, Bexley, uh, has come out of her shell a little more, but she used to always be so shy out in the lobby after church. And everybody would want to come up to her. They want to talk to her. They want to cheer her up. They want to get a smile out of her. And she wouldn't cooperate. She would get so shy. She would be perfectly silent. She would lean on me and just be really clingy. And everyone must have thought she was this shy and introverted kid. But I'm her dad. I knew better because at our house or at our connect group with her friends that she knows well, she is the crazy one. She runs around, she sings at the top of her lungs and she can't quite hold the tune yet. And she jumps off the furniture and she will just talk your ear off. And nobody knew that. They only saw this one side of her in that moment. But I'm her dad and I knew that is not who she is. And it's the same way in our relationship with God. The people around us may not know the whole truth about us, but our heavenly father does. King David wrote a beautiful song about this, and it was recorded for us as Psalm 139 in the Old Testament. O Lord, you have examined my heart 
and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. And that's just the first three verses. This whole psalm goes on and on and on about how well God knows us and how much he loves us. When you go through hard times in your life, God knows not only what you're going through, but he knows your thoughts and your feelings about the situation. He is not distant or uncaring. He is with you through it all. He listens to your prayers and he knows what you're going through. God knows if you're depressed, even though you're a jokester. God knows you dearly miss your spouse that has passed away, even though most people think you've moved on. God knows everything about us. And when we are convinced that God knows everything about us, we pray with confidence. We can feel closer to God. We don't have to live in denial anymore. We can be real with God because he already knows it all, the good and the bad. Life is filled with joy, right, and sometimes pain and We don't always respond perfectly. We make good choices and sometimes we make bad choices. And I think the fact that God knows our bad choices, our sin and our failures, that's what makes this next thing so amazing. The second benefit to being a child of God is that you are unconditionally loved. And as a parent, you you try to love your kids as unconditionally as you possibly can. And we're not perfect, but we try, right? The only thing is, I wish someone would have just given me some warnings so I would have known what my kids would do, what I would expect. You know, like, okay, I gotta love them through this. Might have been easier to have those warnings. Like, if someone would have told me, you know, when you become a dad, okay, if you try to pick up a toddler who's having a tantrum, their legs are perfectly aligned to kick you in the most painful place they possibly can. Somebody should tell you that you will get spit on. You'll probably get peed on and pooped on. And your kids will refuse to eat one bite of yesterday's favorite food. You know you love your kids through it all. But it'd be nice at least to get yourself psyched up, right? God is better than me. God is better than that. He loves us unconditionally at all times. God knows our darkest secrets and yet he loves us. It doesn't depend on our performance, His love isn't swayed by our failures. He's not embarrassed of you. He's not surprised that you've messed up again. He already knows, and he loves you anyway. In his letter to the Romans, Paul explains that Christ expressed his love for us by dying for us despite our sins. Romans 5, verses 6 through 8 says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He allowed himself to be beaten, mocked, and killed because he loved us that much. Your achievements and your good deeds weren't even in the picture. He just loved you. And now you don't need to be afraid of what will happen if you don't get it right. We know what will happen. He will forgive us and he will love us. He's a good father. Now to be clear, we shouldn't just keep on sinning after we come to Christ. We seek to respond to that unconditional love 
by loving him back with our actions. So we put others first because we love him. We are generous because we love him. We have more self-control because we love him. We probably won't be perfect. So when we fail, we don't have to fear. We are still loved and valued. We ask forgiveness and we keep expressing our love to him through our actions. It's so different from when you're living on that performance treadmill where we have to keep performing to get love and acceptance and we fear failure. Another benefit to being a son or daughter of God is that you receive guidance from the Holy Spirit. Uh, Young kids are usually pretty open to receiving guidance from their parents As they get into their teen years, usually they think you don't know anything at all. And then as they move into young adulthood, often there's a realization there that they need their parents' guidance more and more. Uh, When you're a young adult, it's a wonderful thing to be able to receive guidance from your parents. Um, I know I've called my dad many times uh, to ask him about all these situations, you know, that I had never encountered before. You know, how, how much exemptions should I claim on this tax form or how much uh, air pressure should I put in my tires? How do I know that? It's been awesome to rely on him for guidance and I do the same thing with the Holy Spirit and you can too. Back in Romans 6, Paul said that all who are led by God's Spirit are God's sons and daughters and part of that is being led by the Spirit. Now, it's not against our will. He's not dragging us along. We are willingly led and we partner with him and we are led by the Spirit. Before the church was filled with the Spirit at Pentecost, Jesus had this to say to his disciples. There is so much more that I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So when you don't know what to do, You can turn to God. He will guide you by his Holy Spirit. We are not left to face the difficult decisions of life alone. When you have doubts, you can bring them to God in prayer and he will guide you. He will deepen your faith. Now, how does this happen? How does the Spirit guide us? Um, One way that the Spirit will speak to you is through prayer. Um, You're having a conversation with God in prayer. Sometimes it's kind of like hearing a sentence or a thought in your mind that you wouldn't usually think on your own. The Spirit will also often speak to you through the scriptures, which he inspired to be written. God's word is living and active, and sometimes a verse you've read ten times before takes on new life when the Spirit uses it to speak to you and give you exactly what you need to hear. The Spirit may even use our circumstances or other believers to guide us at times. Like a loving father, he guides us through every season of life. The last benefit of being a child of God is that you will receive an inheritance. But our inheritance is better than grandma's old china cabinet. Our inheritance is even better than receiving a small fortune. We will inherit eternal life. We will receive a resurrection body and spend eternity in the kingdom of God. Instead of being judged and spending eternity apart from God in hell, we will spend eternity with God our Father. Titus 3.7 says, Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. As a child of God, we can be confident that we will inherit eternal life because it's based on Christ's perfection and not our own. You know, when we're on that performance treadmill, we're trying, we're trying, but we can't do it. We can't do it. But Christ lived a perfect life and died in our place. 
Our Father wants to spend eternity with us, and it's his gift to us as his children. And even if we mess up, he's not taking us out of the will, okay? We don't have to live in fear about whether we'll actually inherit eternal life. We could always walk out on God and give up our inheritance, but no one is going to take it away from you, and God certainly will not. We can have confidence that we will receive eternal life. I want you all to really know in your heart this morning that God is a loving father. You don't have to be afraid of what will happen if you fail in your walk with God. He knows everything about you. He knows what you've done. He knows what you will do. He loves you no matter what. And you, you can rest in that. You can love him with your actions because he loves you instead of striving to earn that love by your actions. God's not in heaven just waiting for you to mess up so he can smite you, you know? God loves you like a father and you can step off that performance treadmill and rest in his love. Um, Maybe you grew up with a parent who was extremely demanding. You know, they never appreciated what you got right, but they always called you out over the smallest mistakes. And you've brought that into your walk with God. You see him that way. Or maybe you grew up with people telling you that God won't bless you unless you get everything together and you're perfect. You're always walking in fear of judgment from God, relating to him more like that slave than a child of God. I want you to know that you don't have to live like that. When you pray, you can rest in the fact that God loves you, whether you're succeeding or failing at living a godly life. And if you're not a Christian and you don't relate to God as a father, he still loves you so much that he gave his life for you. Despite all of your sin and failures, God is waiting for you with open arms, extending forgiveness. You know, getting into heaven is not based on how good of a person you are. It's based on what Christ has done on the cross. He gave his life for you. He was the one who lived a perfect life, but he took our place and was punished for us. Now we can be forgiven. We can spend eternity with our heavenly father who loves us unconditionally. Would you all bow your heads with me this morning? Uh, Maybe you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in Jesus. Uh, Your life is far from perfect and you realize that you need that. You need his forgiveness. You need that kind of love that loves you despite your failures. You want to begin a new life and become a son or daughter of God. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand just so I I can see who you are and we can pray for you? Amen. If that's you, would you pray this this prayer with me? It's up on the screens this morning. God, I need your forgiveness. I've done many things that are wrong, and I'm sorry. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and has risen from the dead. I want to be your child and experience your unconditional love. I want to live for you. And Lord, for those of us here this morning who are already believers, Lord, I pray Lord, that they would experience you as a good father, a loving father, Lord, that they would know that even in their weakest moments, you love them, you forgive them, you are at work in their lives. Lord, we thank you for the grace that we find in you. Lord, none of us could live a perfect life. We all fail at some point. But Jesus, you were perfect and you gave your life for us. So we want to love you with our actions. We want to respond and love and follow you with our whole lives. 
Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.